This is a warning to all listeners that this conversation contains mention of mental health and suicide. If it does trigger anything, please reach out to someone for support or call 13YARN on 139276. Let's sit. No more Let's learn. Let's evolve. Let's talk. Today is Let's Talk Business with your host, Jai Lawton. Welcome to Let's Talk Business. Before we start, I would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the lands we broadcast here in the West End of Brisbane and all across the country, wherever you are listening. I would like to acknowledge the unceded sovereignty of all First Nations people across the many nations in this continent and acknowledge all Elders past and present. Today, I am joined by Joe Williams, former NRL player and professional boxer turned mental health advocate and the driving force behind The Enemy Within and the newly established Airway Academy. Joe played in the National Rugby League for South Sydney Rabbitohs, Sydney Roosters, Penrith Panthers and the Canterbury Bulldogs before switching to professional boxing in 2009. Joe was a two-time WF, WBF World Junior Welterweight Champion and won a WBC Asia Continental title. Today, Joe uses his personal story in struggling with mental illness to deliver suicide prevention and wellbeing education to people all around the country. Joe recently founded the Airway Academy, creating a better now for First Nations youth. Hello and welcome to the program, Joe. Hey, brother, how you doing? Yeah, it's, good, uh, brother. Good to connect again after we used to knock around each other a little bit with different conferences and all that sort of stuff all across the country. I think it was in WA somewhere last time we connected, so... Always good to chat, brother. Always good, and it's great to have you. And before, as we always do, you know, can we start with your, your mob in your country? Right now, I'm on Wiradjuri country in Wagga, but uh, I'm a Wiradjuri Wagga man. I, I was born in Cowra and raised in Wagga. Went on the, on the sporting journey down to the city and back to the bush and to the city and overseas and all those sort of things. So, um, But always, no matter where it is that I've been, right throughout the world, I've always ventured back the heart of Wiradjuri country which is which is always good but you know my old man's side is little place Wogaloo country which is in the the the, the base of the snowy mountains uh, and all through the through all, all through the the cold country um and I I sometimes I question how my ancestors would have lived in that cold because I I struggle to go to <laughs> sleep at night you know without a thick blanket and doona underneath me uh, over the top of me so um you know it's but it's always good to be you know it's that that feeling of home where, you know, you, everything feels safe and connected. Yeah, deadly. Always drawing you back home, eh? And, uh, and let's, let's get into that, that, that uh, sporting career that you've had because it was a stellar career over, over a couple of different sports. Let's start with the NRL, NRL career. So, you know, you were a superstar growing up and you end up playing on the big stage for some of the biggest, biggest Sydney clubs, as we mentioned at the outset there. Tell us about that experience. It was so long ago now. It's, it's one of those things that... You know, I, I, I'm super thankful. I'm super thankful and, and grateful that I, that I got to do that. And but I'm also, you know, under no illusions that that was that was a part of my life that has that has happened. And there was plenty of experiences, but also plenty of lessons in that. And it's it's something who I'm who I'm not anymore. It's something I did for a job uh, many years ago. And you know, I often say to people, you know, I, I played sport to pay the bills. Um, now, you know, getting into the work that I do now is the most important thing. But that's not downplaying, you know, the, the opportunities that I had and the people that I met and the, and the places that I was, I was lucky enough to experience, you know. All my life I wanted to be a footy player as a kid, um, just like a lot of young Koori Murray kids. Um, and I was lucky enough and fortunate enough to be, to be able to do that, you know. And as I said, there were many lessons 
along the way, but also many lessons during um, that have that have held me instead now as a I guess a much uh, much more mature and, and experienced uh, person. You know, it's a, it's probably a lighter way of saying older, but um, <laughs> you know, someone someone who who I was lucky enough to do that. But I think I learned I learned more about the experiences that I don't want to share playing in systems like that. And that's not downplaying what it is, and I'm not trying to, you know, no, I ain't hating on the NRL or anything like that. That's not what I'm doing. I'm saying that that for me, in my part, part of my life, during that, I was an extremely disconnected young person that didn't know a great deal of who he was and tried to find who he was down the end of a bottle and with alcohol and drugs and things like that. And, you know, when, when you're playing in, in, in places or you, sometimes you can get a little bit disillusioned with who you are when when some profile starts to hit, you know, mm. the, the ego starts to creep in and you've got money in your pocket and you you think you're a little bit better than you're actually going. Um, I, I won't lie to say that that's exactly what happened to, happened to me and, and it, it it took me some, some hard falls on my backside to, to realise that ego won't get you anywhere and, you know, never never better than the next person. At the end of the day, that's just your job and that's what, that's what you get paid to do. Um, but I'm still thankful and grateful. As I said, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not hating on any systems or anything like that as far as footy goes. Um, it's a job. It's a productivity line. And when your product's not good enough, then, you know, you get shipped out the back door. It's just the way it is. Mm. And you're passing those, you, I, I could imagine you're passing those um, messages on to your, your, your kids. I think I, I see them just thriving in, in different areas, right from the right from a young fella right through to to your oldest boy and and your, and your daughter as well. You're passing those those messages on to them as well. Yeah, that's the biggest thing, brothers. The experiences that you get, you know, and and you know, I've been lucky enough to have some guidance by some beautiful people as far as. Some advice is around leaving this world a better place when you leave it. Mm. Leaving this world a better place than you found it. And for me, it's about that, right? So, if so, without doubt, my my kids want to, you know, go to the top in sport. But it's, you know, it's unfortunate that that's just not a reality for for a great amount of people, um, you know, that, that that set out to do that. You know, and it's I'm really really lucky that that before anything, my parents said we don't care about footy we don't care about profile yeah it's important but it's important to you it's not important in the big scheme of things what's important is making sure that you get a good education and and for the many years that you're going to have post career that you set yourself up to do better then than you know that you know if, you, if you're lucky enough that i think the average game the average career span of, a, of an nrl player is now is about 40 games mm. so you know like 40 games is two seasons. You know, what are you going to do for the rest of your life? Mm. They're the messages that I like to talk to all young people. Mm. Don't put all the eggs in the basket. Let's just make sure that we, that we stay passionate about things and we stay connected and continually learning about all aspects of life. And, and I was having a conversation with somebody this morning, actually, and it was around, you know, around young people chasing and ch- achieving their dreams. But, you know, it's, it's a harsh reality that sometimes it doesn't happen. Whatever's meant to be won't pass you by. So if, if it's, it's not playing rugby league or not being a, a top-class netballer or, or, or not being you know, anything in a chosen sport that you want, then, then you can be something else. And the key messages that I give to young people these days, and my kids, mm. they're the young people that I care most about, to be just being the best version of yourself. Whatever that is, 
if you're going to go down a path of a career that's not sport, if you want to work somewhere, if you want to be a school teacher, you make sure that you're the best school teacher that you can be. If you're working as somebody who collects garbage, you be the best one at that that you can be. Mm. You know, so it's just about being the best version of ourselves. Everyone's different. Everyone's wired different. Everyone's made up different. It's just about keying into the, the things that we're passionate about and trying to be the best version of ourselves. Mm, great advice, great advice. And I want to cut over to the professional boxing arena now, you know, going from a, a team sport to a lonely place that's a boxing ring, you know, you're in there by yourself, it's one verse one, um, and I could imagine the lessons you learnt there, and you went on to be, you know, as I said at the start there, a two-time world junior welterweight champion and picking up a pretty handy continental title as well. Tell us about that transition into boxing and, and what that taught you. It taught me so much, you know, boxing taught me more about life than I think life did at the time. It also taught me that whilst I was a fairly gifted kid as a rugby league player, I didn't work hard. Hmm. And when you're in the boxing ring, you can't get away with those shortcuts. I could get away with it on the footy field. It's not something that I advocate for with young people now. I say, don't take any shortcuts because the reason that, you know, my career probably didn't span out longer than it should have was because I cut corners. I, I took shortcuts. Mm. And, and in the boxing ring, I realized really fast that you can't do that. Hindsight's a beautiful thing. And, and if I had it all over again, I probably would have boxed before I played footy, if I'm honest. Because, um, you know, not to that level, but uh, it just it, boxing gave me a mental toughness that I didn't have as a rugby league player. Mm. You know, it, it makes you search deep inside yourself when there's no one there to lean on. And when you have to get up at, five o'clock in the morning to go go running and I was I was just, I'd finished playing at the Panthers at the time when I transitioned up and Panthers at the, sorry I was living at Penrith but I finished playing at the Bulldogs living at Penrith and it was so cold at the base of the mountains there when I was preparing to make the transition I dropped from about 82 83 kilos down to 69 kilos for my first fight wow and you don't do that by not training hard. Mm. And, you know, there were times of a morning at quarter to five in the morning when it was warm in the middle, uh, you know, in the warmer un- underneath the blanket in the middle of winter than it was outside. But I knew that if I wanted to be a boxer, I couldn't cut corners. Mm. I, I knew that, that if I wasn't working, my opponent was working. And I also had too much pride around getting beat. I went from 82 kilos as a footy player down to 69 kilos for my first fight and then eventually fought down to as low as 61 kilos. Wow. Um, and that takes a hell of a lot of discipline around what you eat, around getting the right amount of sleep so your body recovers well, mm. you know, having enough water and eating well and all those sort of things. So, you know, boxing taught me so much about discipline, so much about not being able to cut corners, but it also taught me that, when I searched deep inside myself, as a rugby league player, I didn't quite like the person that I found at those times. As a boxer, the longer I went in the ring, the longer I got and the more experience I got with fighting, I can sit and search deep inside myself now and I like the person I find because I know that I've been to some dark places and I know that I know how to, how to fight my way out of it now. Mm. You know, so that's why I say that boxing taught me so much more about myself and boxing taught me so much more about life than life ever has. It taught me how to be a fighter. Not mm. a boxer, but a fighter because of the challenges I was experiencing mentally and emotionally. Mm, yeah, it's a crazy journey, crazy journey. And and then let's get on to, you know, battling mental illness is something you talk openly about now. Tell us about that journey. There was always this, this dark side of me. There's, there's a brilliant Troy Casadaly song 
And the lyric says, there's a dark side of me that even I don't understand. Mm. Um, and that lyric just rings so true to me because for a large part of my life, I didn't know what that was. I didn't know where it came from, but I knew that it was there and it was, it was having an enormous impact on who I was. When you can't see it mentally, obviously people on the outside can't see it mentally, but they can see it in your physical behaviours. You know, my physical behaviours were around, you know, even disrespect at times for, for different people, but also uh, the challenges with alcohol and drugs and, and realising that I was just running away from everything that was happening. And Once I understood that and I, saw, and I sat with that a little bit, um, and that, that journey goes until today, brother. Like, I'm, I'm still constantly learning about who I am and why I am and the impacts that I've had, um, the, the, the experiences that I've had and how they've impacted me. Um, and, you know, I still have challenging days. I just have better tools to be able to deal with it now. Mm. You know, I'm, this year I'm 18 years sober from alcohol, so I haven't needed to bury my head down the end of a bottle to try and escape what was going on inside my head. You know, so mm. I, I have tools now um, that... that can help me get through those challenging times so you know around diagnosis and then understanding what that is and learning about what that is and then naturally challenging different diagnosis in 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 the way i think about different things um to now understanding what it is i go through and using it as a bit of a superpower Mm. to what i go through as well to help me to to uh interact uh, every day of the week but also advocate for people who feel silenced Mm, takes a brave person to face that truth and look at yourself in the mirror and, and, and make those changes and make those changes through action. So, um, yeah, good on you, brother. It's a great story. And a well, the biggest challenge is, brother, is, the biggest challenge is we always say that it's brave, but you know what? It's just right. Mm. Like people say that, you know, it's so brave what you're doing and it's so brave to be able to sit and, you know, and confront those things. And, and I'm, not, I'm not trying to downplay that at all, but what I'm saying is it's the right thing to do. Mm. Once we start to understand our makeup mentally and emotionally and how it's formed through the different experiences that we've had right throughout our lives, from the early interactions that we have, we realize that we're all a product of the past and we're all in different points along the road of who we are. And we just have to learn to understand what that is. You know, I'm, I'm in a different part than you and, and I'm forever uh, learning about myself and, and I'm, I'm always questioning things. I, I, I get curious as to why I think this way or get curious as to why I respond and, and behave this way. So um, I'm someone who's always learning and advocating um, so I can be the best version of myself. I can't go out and tell people to do it if I'm not doing it. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's about mentally and emotionally but also physically putting myself in the best possible chance that I can to be the best version. <clears throat> Yeah, absolutely, and um, and I love that you know that, that you you know you've got the same same issues in a way, but you've just got those those better tools to to deal with and, and respond to. I think that's um, yeah, it's just some great advice. And obviously, this whole story is something that clearly drives your purpose to to share your story and the lessons you've learnt along the way. Tell us about the important work you do with the enemy within. Well, it's just like it's 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 developed over a number of years. Um, it's one of those things where Again, learning, you know, in the beginning, it was just about sharing my story and, and, and providing hope to people that go through the same experiences behind the closed doors. Um, you know, for when it, when it very first started coming out of me talking about this, um, the amount of people that come up to me and said, Joe, 
you know what you're talking about. You know the experiences that you're saying. I, I have exactly the same. I've just never had the words to voice it. Um, so it, I guess it gave some words to those who felt silenced. But also then going around and, and helping people to understand it, um, that's been the biggest thing with the enemy within, you know, like, and it's, you know, and that's evolved from what that is and what it looks like from, you know, the early days of just advocacy and awareness and education to now helping people understand their, their behaviours and where they come from. And, and, you know, that's had to, you know, come from more learning with me and things like that as well. So, um, you know, it's, 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 I'm, I'm someone who's forever learning. I'm someone uh, who's always trying to be the best version of myself, and that's why I get curious and, and, and I guess, challenge the narrative of who I am. Mm. And there's, you know, I think especially with obviously with our mob and, um, and you know, the suicide rates and, um, and all that thing, and especially with men, you know, there's just that real toxic masculinity stereotype out there that we can't understand our feelings and we can't show our feelings but there's just so much strength in vulnerability and understanding that and you know and and communicating our our feelings particularly as aboriginal and torres men you know i was thinking about this recently as i said i think about things a little bit differently um to a lot of different people um and 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 the, the experiences that i've been going through the last probably you know four or five years has been understanding trauma and adversity and in the early experiences in our lives from as young people and for me once you understand that everything makes sense and you know i i was i was talking thinking about it last night and it's you know it's it's not so much that there's a stigma with men and mental health you know the stigma the stigma that 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 comes with men and not wanting to speak about it is actually a product of something different it's a product of of not having our emotions validated in the early years of our lives. Mm. And so how are we going to change the challenges around mental health? Because if we look at it right, and, and I said this recently to someone as well, there's more awareness and education around mental health than there ever has been in the history of the conversation. Mm. There's more money and funding in mental health than there ever has been. But there's, the rates are getting higher and there's more deaths around you know the challenges of mental health. So... We're either on the wrong conversation or what we're doing is not working. Mm. You know, if you, if you have a look in, and, and, and if, if, if emotions are silenced continuously over many years and, you know, they're not validated in the very early years in our lives, we, we build coping strategies around silencing them ourselves mm. and, and, and pushing them down. And then, you know, we push them down long enough and we're told that we shouldn't cry and we're told that, you know, we should... We should we should not whinge about things, and we should when we're told that we should get on with it, and and, and we to, we're told that that didn't hurt, and you, should, you know what you need to do is you know stop sucking about things. Mm. Like these are all conversations that we've heard, you know, in in every family, mm. right? Because that's the way that we thought that parenting that we were supposed to be with parenting, right? Mm. But the challenge with that is if we continuously silence people's emotions, we're not validating how people feel, and then. As a coping strategy, they silence them themselves. And then you silence them over time enough, it subconsciously becomes programmed, programmed in to not actually talk about these things. And then the, the, the times when we talk about them is when we're about 10 schooners deep on a Friday and Saturday night mm. and the challenges that that brings. You know, So I, I think we've got a long way to go in, in the whole conversation around mental health. I think we're... We're off the pace with it. We're off the mark with it. 
and we're on the wrong conversation completely, what we need to be doing is equipping parents with the tools in how we raise our young people to validate how our young people are feeling Mm. and helping young people to regulate their emotions rather than silence their emotions so it doesn't become a coping strategy right throughout their lives. Yeah. Yeah, you're not wrong there. Gives you something different to think about, brother. Well, that's it, and you've broken it right down, and that's it. You know, what I love about this show is I'm constantly learning from all the mob that I talk to, and um, and particularly someone like yourself that's you know that does this is in this for a living. So, um, you know, it's a great thing. And if you have just tuned in, you are listening to Let's Talk Business, where we're talking all things Indigenous business with our guest today, Joe Williams, the former NRL player and professional boxer turned mental health advocate and just a, a trigger warning for the mob out there we are talking about um, mental health and um, and suicide which might come up so um, we'll give you some uh, advice later on in the show to, to if, if anything does come up there but um, Joe you've recently launched the Our Way Academy which you know has an emphasis on young people tell us about the the rationale behind that and, the, and, and how that come about. Well it's been a bit of a soft launch you know we haven't sort of launched it completely and we haven't got a fully piloted program as yet we're still developing different things and you know massaging it to what it looks like but we've done some great structural work around a theory of change and and what we believe what we know will help um young people with with what we're doing and you know we we call it the our way academy because we're starting to do things our way Mm. right for too many times um too many organizations have been funded to implement what they think is right and they're not first nation organizations and they're not first nation run and led organizations so what we need to do is start doing things our way Mm. um and the our way academy is about you know it's important what you said it's about creating a better now Mm. right because we always talk about the emphasis on what we need to do for our future without understanding that what we do now will impact our future Mm. right so in creating a better now we're helping young people to stand strong in who they are to understand who they are and help them to grow into the best version of themselves, right? And, and all of that, you know, comes back to who we are grounded in culturally and, and with our identity of, of who we are. Um, and, and people, you know, turn, turn away from that sometimes because they don't actually know what it is around identity, right? We, mm. Some of our identity sometimes is a little bit skewed because we, you know, we're, we're trying to be something that we're not and without just sitting in the old stories of humility and sitting in the old stories of respect for people and sitting in the old stories of, of being kind to one another. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're helping young people. We're, we're helping to plant the seeds for young people to empower themselves to be young leaders. Mm. And, you know, it's, we're, we're, we're at a very small, I guess it's a pilot before a pilot. We're, we're in a school at the moment, um, you know, just tweaking things and working with young people um, and understanding, helping to understand behaviours and the challenges, challenges of communities that that brings. And, you know, building a little toolkit for young people to be able to be strong in who they are. You know, we're, we're, we're doing some really good things. Um, you know, in, we're doing some really good things at the moment, which is, which is really exciting, you know, for what the future might hold. Yeah, it's deadly. And I've seen the work in action with the enemy within and to see that that focus on the young people and the now, um, it's going to be really exciting where to, to see where this all goes. And uh, Essentially, brother, what we're doing is bringing together the last decade of the work of around the hundreds of communities that I've worked in mm. and pulling little pieces of that as to what I've educated people with right across our country and even lucky enough to go internationally with different native peoples, 
pulling all of that into the one program so then we can grow it within each community. Mm. Uh, it's going to be incredible to see. And, um, and I want to just touch on something I saw during Indigenous Round, and I've been meaning to ask you about this when I catch up with you next, so why not now? So I'll talk about the body science collaboration you've done with um, the Indigenous artist Dave Hartley there to produce some garments around uh, that was launched in, in Indigenous Round there. Um, they're wearing them every week now, from Nico Hines to Jaden Campbell to all, all the mob all over the NRL. Tell us about that collaboration. I guess I've had a relationship with Body Science since I was a player. You know, they've looked after me uh, on the back of that, you know, for many years. And Greg and Pico, the owners of the Body Science, have, have wanted to do something with some substance, you know, as far as, you know, giving back to our community. And, you know, it was over a few different conversations and some podcasts and so forth like that. That Greg goes, you know what, Joe, I don't know a hell of a lot about First Nation people and I want to learn more and I want to be able to do more. And we teamed up with Dave. Um, who's a, an artist uh, up that way, and he's actually a school principal. Um, oh, wow. And then when I talked to him about Our Way Academy, Dave got it straight away because he's an Aboriginal man who's a principal. Mm. Right? So he's like, you're right, Joe. Like, what we're doing is not working. Mm. Um, we need to do things. And, I, and I, I gave him the outline of what we're going to be doing and the program of what we're going to be doing, and he was so excited as a school principal to go, wow, can, you know, can we get this here in our school? So... And then that's when, you know, body science goes, well, how about we do a collection? We tell a story, you know, as, as art pieces do. We tell us, and, you know, with, our, with access to the different NRL players and, you know, elite athletes, you know, we can get this range out. You know what? The best thing about it was, and I won't say that body science didn't anticipate it to go so well, but I knew that it would blow up mm. because I, I believe we're at a time in the country where, where white fellas want to learn more about us, where white fellas want to understand more about us. Um, so we can grow together as a nation. And the first range sold out in 48 hours. Wow. Right, as far as the bike pants and the T-shirts and everything like that goes. So, and we haven't announced yet just how much we've had conversations of just how much it's raised for our way academy. But, you know, but, but the Body Science crew said that they will donate 100% of the profits wow. um, across to our way to help with the implementation and the early stages of what it takes to build something like this. Mm. And like I said, we haven't announced it yet, but uh, we've had the conversations. We're so thankful. And it's it's really exciting, and you know, people are ringing up, going, "Where can I get them? And how can I get them?" And, and because it's sold out, you know, and the, the second range sold out in a couple of weeks. Um, you know, we're, we're we're already in plans about doing something again. You know, for for, for next season. Um, you know, which we want we want to make bigger and better. Um, which is you know, hopefully. Again, just just bring some more conversation about who we are as people, uh, and and helps non-indigenous people to connect to art, connect to our story, you know, connect to what we're trying to do it our way to you know provide a or to help to create a better now for our young people. Mm, what an incredible thing, you know, getting those stories out there to connect and educate mob and get now um and then all the pro all the proceeds going to the Airway Academy. It's just a win for everyone. And um yeah, and with the business side of things, Joe, like um and I'll talk to mob all around the country from, you know, Broome to, you know, Perth and all the way up to the east coast and, and business, you know, it can be tough. It's twenty four seven, it's hard work and a bit like boxing, you know, there's no shortcuts and it all can take a toll on our mental health and well-being and working in this space with all the travel you do around the country, how do you maintain that balance of business, travel and your mental health and well-being? I think for me, it's, you know, it's obviously a challenge for all people, but for me, I had to learn very early on that I need to prioritise my well-being. Mm. Otherwise, nothing, you know, nothing's good to anyone. 
you know, if I'm not well myself. So um, I learned the hard way, <laughs> unfortunately, in the, in the very early days, uh, which, which, which ended me back up with a stint in hospital and, and getting the right uh, help that I needed at the time then. Um, but then from that moment, I said, look, if I'm going to be doing this, I need to make sure that I keep my own cup full first mm. um, so I can then be the best impact that I can on others. So I put that as priority, whether it's exercise, whether it's eating well. And that can be a real challenge with, you know, the different, the different you know, I'm, I'm on a plane most days of the year when I'm doing the work with the enemy within. Hopefully that will slow down a little bit now, obviously with, you know, with the challenge, with, with you know, what we're bringing with our way and have me, you know, sort of based in, in more of the one place. I won't say all of the one place, but more <laughs> of the one place. Mm. Um, because it's, for me, it's important to be able to go and connect with communities as well. And, and I love that. I've done that for the last 10 years. But I've had to learn to make sure that, that mentally and emotionally, I've got to be the best of me first before anything. Otherwise, I'm delivering a poor message. You're not getting the best of me and, and no one wins. Mm. Um, so fortunately, unfortunately, I had to learn that very early uh, in my journey of what I do now, um, which has helped me to do that. And it's the little things, you know, if it's exercise, it's eating well, um, it's making sure I'm looking after myself physically, which will then have a, have a great impact on me mentally and emotionally. Mm. It is an important balance and that, yeah, taking priority of yourself and making sure your cup's full is certainly yeah, a great piece of advice there. And um, I just want to touch a little bit on just using your knowledge around the politics and, and sport topic. You know, it's been topical over many years and we think of Nicky Winmar and the famous moment pulling his shirt up and pointing at his skin after cop and racism and, you know, through to Cody Walker, Latrell Mitchell and Josh Adakar with the anthem and then more recently we had Danelle Wallum stand up, you know, about the Hancock sponsorship in the netball and... Some years back now, I think it was 2016, I think it was, you sat during the anthem before receiving a Citizen of the Year Award, and you've always been pretty vocal about politics and sport. What's your take on, on all of that and where we're at right now with, you know, the voice to Parliament and all these other different treaties happening in different uh, jurisdictions? What's your take on the politics and sport, Jan? Well, people say that, you know, sport and politics shouldn't mix, but sporting people are, are humans as well, that politics impacts us. Mm. You know, the people who are saying that, you know, sport and politics shouldn't mix, they're not usually the ones jumping up and down for equality. Mm, mm. <laughs> you know, and, 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 and equality can look like injustice for people of privilege, mm. right? So, um, you know, with the stuff that happened with me back in 2016 with the National Anthem, like, all I did is, is expose some of the truth. Mm. You know, and we, we started a conversation around what it is, and, and, you know, I won't say that I started that conversation, but I'll say that, you know, like... A great deal of, of, of the conversation happened back then and it continues to happen around what we need to do as a country to move forward and, and grow as, as a nation. Mm. Um, as I said, like, you know, with Danelle, um, with, with, with other sports people, um, we're individuals. You know, sport is just our job. Mm. You know, like politics is going to impact our kids and our grandkids and everything, you know, that we have coming, coming, coming after us. So, um, you know... As I said, people people who jump up and down about that things are usually the ones who it doesn't impact. Mm. Um, you know, so they probably wish that they could be sports people and or wish that they could be politicians. You know, sometimes we get to be both. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's a good, good point there. And, um, and look, you've made me think this whole, uh, this whole yarn through. And now I want to make you do the thinking here. And, um, I want to transport you in time to 50 years from now. And the year is 2073. What does 
this country look like? What's the ideal end game in 50 years? Of, if we do all the hard work now, what does that, what does that, 50, what does that 2073 look like? I won't give me a age away, but I'm, I'll be hoping that I'll be just nearing the twilight years of my life. Um, and, you know, if I'm lucky enough, statistics will show that I may not live that long. Mm. Um, but if I'm lucky enough to go out that way, I'd like to think that we're in a better place. Um, because it's, you know, I always say the dinosaurs are dying. You know, the, we, we had a, a conversation recently in Wagga around, you know, that it was around um, the referendum and, you know, the questions around that. And, and Tony McAboy actually said something really beautiful. He said, when it looks at the polls, the older age demographic are the ones who are challenged by what's happening in the country now. And, and they're challenged because they don't seem to want to let go mm. of things. Mm. You know, when growth happens, when growth happens, you know, movement happens and, you know, people start to benefit. And like I said, sometimes equality looks like injustice for people who have never had injustice. Mm. So um, I'd like to think that we're, we're progressing towards a better place. Um, that we're, we're progressing towards a country that is trying its backside off now to heal a horrific past. We've got a hell of a way to go before we do that. Um, but conversations that are happening in circles that I've been in, introduced to, it's probably evident that it is happening. Uh, it doesn't need to be at a rate of knots, but, you know, I hold a great deal of hope for for the lives of my grandkids and my great-grandkids in how we are moving forward. Mm. Um, you know, in, in 50 years' time, if, if I'm lucky enough to be, to be sitting there, I'd like to sit back and be proud of, of, of the growth that we have showed in the nation because even in yours and I lifetime, brother, it hasn't been a really pretty place. No. It's only until recently that things have started to improve and the engagement started to get better and conversations have started to get better. Mm. Well, in 2073, we'll be sitting there with a cuppa um, reminiscing about that um, as old fellas. <laughs> so, but, uh, just, old uncles. Yeah, old uncles. Cup of tea's made for us. <laughs> Bushels hopefully still be around then. Um, but, uh, look, just in wrapping, you know, we have covered some pretty heavy issues surrounding mental health and other things, and we know, unfortunately, that, you know, we are more susceptible to that thing as mob. What advice do you give mob out there right now that are about battling some mental issues? Just, ha just stay in it. Stay in the fight. Mm. Stay in the fight. You know, like, in 2012, I genuinely thought that life for me couldn't improve. Mm. With time and persistence education and patience but a hell of a lot of hard work in sitting in discomfort life has improved for me beyond imagination i am mentally and emotionally in a much better place than i was now then because i've worked at it because i got patient and because i started to learn about myself i always talk about with my organization don't look at what look at why don't look at what's going on with you and mm. focus on what is happening with you. Let's focus on why it's happening. When we start to understand the why, we start to dive a little bit deeper into that and we can find some comfort and some growth in that. You know, on the other side of discomfort is always growth. Mm. Mm. Right, so for people who are challenged by it at the moment, get your body moving, right? Some of the biggest challenges that we have when we're mentally and emotionally in a challenging place is to, to actually move our body. Um, so we need physical movement. We, 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 are the, we are the laziest we've ever been. 
Mm. Uh, we don't exercise anywhere near where we've ever been and we are the, are the unhealthiest we've ever been. I reckon that, that there is an indication with that as to why mentally and emotionally we're the sickest we've ever been. You know, some of the best things that we can do is just eat well, be around good people and move our body. Mm. And, and you don't, sometimes you don't learn your, your best lessons from the top, it's from picking yourself up off the canvas too and the lessons you learn in, in doing that. Um, and you'd know that from the, from the boxing days and then just the metaphor. Um, yeah. Don't remind me about picking myself off of a canvas, brother. You know, there's still they're still little lessons that I that haunt me every day. That the old the old boxer mentality of I've got one more. Mm. No, I won't be doing that. In a hurry, I'll give you the tip. <laughs> well, there's no exclusive here today. There, Joe Williams is retired from boxing, but I do want to thank you very much for coming <laughs> onto the program, brother, and and thank you for your time. It's always a pleasure to connect, brother. Make sure you look after yourself, and you know what we need to do. We put so much emphasis and onus on the on on people who are challenged. Mentally and emotionally, we, we say to them, we need to reach out for help. You know what? Yeah, we do need to reach out for help. But what we need to do is start to reach into people. Mm. We, need to, we need to pay attention to people's behaviours and start to help each other, mm. right? The biggest problem is that we have is that for thousands of years, our mob worked in small groups together and we were always with people. Mm. Right now, we are the laziest, loneliest, and most isolated that we've ever been in the history of humankind. We need to get back and find our village again. Yep, get back to those cultural ways and those cultural principles that um, have led us to 65,000 years of existence. And, um, yeah, thank you very much for your time, brother. And you have been listening to Let's Talk Business with our guest today, Joe Williams. And uh, if you've missed a, an episode, jump on over to the website at au, or you can jump on Spotify under Let's Talk. Uh, thank you very much for your company. No more whispering in our mind. Let's Talk. Monday to Friday at 9am on AAA Murray Country, the National Indigenous Radio Service and iHeartRadio. You can catch up on AAA.org.au, proudly supported by the Community Broadcast Foundation.